helps if I bring my mic over. Mm-hmm. Mm, new microphones. I know. They're kind of awesome. Except yeah. for mine likes to... Um, well, I'm going to see if I can replace that one. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love the smell of new microphones in the morning. Is a microphone. Microphone. I'm up here. Microphone. She was commenting you, on you, the location of her microphone. Yeah, because it was down here. Oh. And it's like, uh, I was up here. Microphone. Which translates, I guess, visually. I don't think it's going to really translate <laughs> without visual aids. I'm sorry. Ready for a countdown? Um, yeah, are you? I am. I'm always ready. Go for it. Is Scott ready? Sure. <laughs> Is Marcel ready? Is Marcel ready? Yes, I even shaved and everything for the podcast. Oh, oh good. wow. Nice. <laughs> so when you so like... You'll, so you'll look good on radio. Absolutely. <laughs> the perfect radio mm-hmm. face. Yeah, see, I got a face for radio, too. All right. There's a reason this isn't video podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Broadcasting from a little cave under a bridge or something. Now, this is studio number one. Okay. Live from studio number one. Of one. Of one. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually actually more like one of zero since this is like actually Cash's office and not even a studio. That's true. Five. Four, three, two, one. Hi, this is Scott English. I'm the executive director of the American Philatelic Society, and you're listening to Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. What are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Oh, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Homer, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. Why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a planet from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Did you guys see something? Chicken? Couldn't help it, sorry. <laughs> There's your new intro. There you go. Awesome. Start her up. Welcome to Stamp Show here today, episode 106. I'm Cash, and I warned you there wouldn't be a show on the 26th. I'm Scott. This is Tom. And I'm your host, Dawn. We also have our good friend of the show, Marcel Sleeker, with us. Hi, Marcel. Hi, Marcel. Hello, everybody. This week, we will be discussing how to make a million dollars in hair care, and our expert topic is on magnification. You have my curiosity up. I think I'll listen to this one all the way through. Let me also give a shout out to the Black River Stamp Club in Euros. It's Ohio. (laughs) Okay, I know. Four letters. I know. Okay, I lived in Iowa. Ohio and Iowa always get confused. Oh, okay. 
Not be usually by me, but... Well, not if you lived in Iowa. I wouldn't think they would. Yeah, but I'm just trained for Iowa. That's not a good statement. (laughs) (laughs) My, aren't we touchy today? Yes. Let me also give a shout out to the Black River Stamp Club in Euros, Ohio from Facebook. Hey, everybody. Hey, Black River. On this day in history, in 1867, just short of 150 years ago today, Sarah Breedlove, also known as Madam C.J. Walker, was born. Uh, This is the wife of the famous libation maker, Johnny Walker. And co-inventor of the tube sock? No. (laughs) Any uh, any relation to Walker, Texas Ranger? No. um, She's a madam. Was she in charge of a brothel? No. (laughs) Okay, who was she? She was the first female self-made millionaire in America, and she was also black. She became one of the wealthiest African-Americans in the country and was called the world's most successful female entrepreneur of her time. In other words, Oprah. Take that, Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) Oprah before Oprah. Mm Mm-hmm. Around the time of the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, the World's Fair at St. Louis in 1904, she became a commission agent selling products for Annie Malone, an African-American haircare entrepreneur. While working for Malone, who would later become Walker's largest rival in the hair care industry, Sarah began to adapt her own line of hair products and develop her own product line soon after. Ooh, competition. Stealing ideas. Yes. Mm-hmm. The American way. <laughs> Samsung and Apple. Yep, there you go. And Atari. In July 1905, when she was 37 years old, she moved to Colorado and later married Charles. It's Walker. I know. <laughs> I was giving myself the three seconds so that he can edit it. I warned him. Mm-hmm. I'm reading this for the first time. Yeah, it's only been up here for three weeks. I know. <laughs> I know, but it keeps changing and the well, dates keep changing and stuff. Well, yes, but also the chimney part of our podcast that we have yet to do for the last four weeks is also on there still too so. yeah everybody's mm-hmm. going to have to wait next year to find how on, out how on why. earth is anyone supposed to know which part we're actually supposed to read yeah. or skip well next year Fix everybody that. can next year everybody can hear about how bad it is to be a chimney sweep oh yay it's great if you like tight spaces <laughs> and scrotal cancer oh thank you for sharing that with us <laughs> On that you, not awkward and uplifting. No, my, my question is: Are you speaking from experience? No, the leading cause of death of chimney sweeps uh, was they would be in there and they'd be scraping all the creosote off shouldn't, the side. Shouldn't we be discussing this on your chimney sweep episode? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh huh. That's a year away. Okay. <laughs> get, get back to get back to uh, Miss Johnny Walker here. <sighs> Miss Charles Walker. Charles Walker. C.J. Walker. Mrs. Madam C.J. Walker. C.J. was on uh, The West Wing. wonder if it's the same girl. So what did she do in July 1905? <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Other than move to Colorado. <laughs> in July 1905, when she was 37 years old, she moved to Colorado and later married Charles Walker, 
and hence became known as Madam C.J. Walker and marketed herself as an independent hairdresser and retailer of cosmetic creams. She used her husband's name. Times were different back then. Mm -hmm. So Sarah Breedlove became C.J. Walker. She started business after 1906, so there are no private dye revenue stamps for her products, but she was honored on a U.S. postage stamp, Scott's number 3181. And actually, she was on, uh, her cancel appears on some of the proprietary stamps. So you want to look for CJW on the um, numeral proprietary stamps. Right. Yeah. So CJW. She, she didn't have a private die, but she did have revenues. Got you need, it. You need to talk into your mic, boss. Got it. <laughs> there you go. So, so you can get the stamp with her on it. Which is what so, so her her stamp was actually part of the Black Heritage series, which has been going on since the eighties, and they issue one every year honoring a black person and whatever they uh, did. So she was actually part of that series, and that's I, how she ended up on a stamp. I thought she was part of the millionaires on stamps. No, she was part of the Tube Sock Inventor Stamp Club. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this week we have a special guest, Marcel Sleeker. So, Marcel, tell us about stamp collecting in Holland. Well, the hobby is uh, doing okay. I'm a member of a uh, club from Dutch people who collect American and Canadian stamps. And the amount of uh, members is pretty steady last year, around 200. So sometimes people leave, sometimes people come. And uh, there's, I think, 75% that collect U.S. and 25% that collect Canadian. There are a lot of uh, little markets in the area. I went to an auction a few weeks ago in a football stadium, which we call football. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going well. It's like everywhere. Everywhere uh, you see the stamp market is competing with other hobbies like computer games and, and sports and stuff for people to do. So I guess when people get a little bit older, they uh, they relax and maybe start collecting. Yeah, but the cool thing about Holland, and I was in Germany, but I didn't check out. I, I went to Holland for a couple of weeks. At your like swap meets, you have stamp people setting up and selling stamps at like swap meets and flea markets. Yeah, well, we have a lot of flea markets, but usually they're like in every little town, there's a stamp club and mm -hmm. then they organize like two days in a in a sports center and the amount of people that come is not so big as it used to be i guess but the the people that come buy yeah a lot of things so they're doing well yeah yeah what they also have is like five cents uh places so you you can get every uh, stamp you want that they have available for five cents and a lot of people donate their double stamps or stamps they don't want to how often does your stamp club meet? Um, we meet about six times. Give them so, a shout out. Yeah, it's the USCA. Hello, jongens, from the USCA post and meisjes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we meet about seven times, six times a week. Uh, a week. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wish. wish. I wish. <laughs> uh, a year. And in different places of the Netherlands, of course, it's, it's just as big as LA County, so everything is closed. And uh, we have an auction every time, so members can put in stuff in the auction. Uh, there are a few that sell stuff. That we have also a um, someone that that uh, buys the new uh, 
the new stamps from the United States, so you can order them through them. And you just bring what you found and you show it to everybody and everybody's happy for you or, or sometimes maybe not. <laughs> 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 but it's really nice and I'm pretty young compared to the rest. I'm just 41, so I started three years ago. And, but they took me in like, like I've been there for, for a while. And uh, we were like 12 that went to New York this May. Mm -hmm. Big group, even two that got the uh, medals. So, yeah. Very nice. Nice. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, a very large group exhibited Dutch stamps at uh, New York 2016. Yeah, but his club, he said, collects mostly U.S. and Canadian. Yeah, yeah but did you go with that group that did the exhibiting? Uh, I went, well... Yeah, I went with the group that was from the USCA, so the United States mm -hmm. uh, collectors, and there were two guys, Hans, I think, and Theo. And of course, it had to be Hans. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, because I wanted to check it, but I left my because I bought the magazines, but I left them in my hotel. Uh, Hans got a gold, if I remember, for his collection of postal cards, mm -hmm. and I'm sorry, guys, if I'm wrong, and Theo, Theo. I think he got a silver four postal notes, those little. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So and then we walked of course to the show, and then someone saw something, and I, I found a uh, a candle in the storm, so I showed it to everybody to to check if it was okay to buy it, and uh, yeah, we well, and we went to eat, so I I felt very welcome as a new member. So if there's anyone in Holland or Belgium or maybe, in Germany on the edge of Holland, become a member, and you will be. Uh, Welcome to in our big family. Well, when we first started the podcast, uh, our number one listening audience was uh, me. Other than the United States, <laughs> <laughs> was you. Yes, me. <laughs> it was you. No, people, it was probably we, you and a number of others. Yeah, we, club. we had like six percent people listening in Holland. Yeah, it was like impressive. I, I guess that if you if you take take in, uh, how do you say that? take in mind that we are a small country so mm -hmm. you multiply the amount maybe oh, yeah. we're still the biggest because of course we cannot compete with United States but maybe by by percentage of thousand citizens yeah <laughs> well I was just going to comment on that I, I think it's kind of interesting that their entire country is about the size of LA County mm -hmm. And they have over 200 members in just the one club, and that's yeah. U.S. and Canadian collectors. Yes. I'm well, sure there are other collectors, collectors that do collect mm -hmm. the Netherlands and Germany, and, Germany and other things that aren't members of their club still coming from that small area. And, and you know, you don't really see that many people around here. Well, it's different, too, because they may be the size of L.A. County, but everybody is crammed into about 25% of the country. Yeah, in the Randstad. Yeah, because yeah. you have a, a huge, huge amounts of uh, open land, lots of cattle pastures, lots of uh, where the dikes and the seas are. Uh, anybody who, if you if you have a chance of going to Holland, by all means go there. It, it's really cool. And of course, it's not Holland; it's the Netherlands. You should go to Holland. Is North a, Holland, South Holland. Those are two Zizi, provinces. You know, yeah. Yes. It's two out of twelve, right? Thirteen. Thirteen. Twelve. I've lived in Spain, so I missed that part of my education. Uh, I'm, lo siento mucho. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also know that uh, Holland borders France. 
Yes. In the Caribbean. Yes, on uh, the island I'm, of St. Martin. Yes. That is. Yes, see, yes, I'm, yes, yes. I'm up on my Dutch. You saw the video on YouTube <laughs> about the provinces. Oh, yeah. I, I, gotcha. I did. <laughs> I did. I saw the same one. He's trying to avoid Cash's corrections this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the list that you gave me that things to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but another interesting thing is that the Netherlands had a few colonies in the past. So people from Suriname or Dutch people that, that worked or lived in, in, in Indonesia, they also collect those countries because mm-hmm. of their inheritance. So that's also interesting. Well, New Zealand, you know, Old Zealand. Is in the Netherlands. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then we had a part of uh, South Africa, of course, yeah. in the beginning, because the Boeren, they s- mm-hmm. speak a sort of Dutch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were the most powerful little country in the 17th century. Yes. Yeah. And then we sold New York. <laughs> well, <laughs> you sort of sold it. We, they sort of well, held a gun to your head and said, take this. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go very well. Right? Yeah. No. But that's interesting because... No, I love Dutch history. Yeah. I, I think it's great. But the, the reason why that colony didn't work out is because nobody in Holland wanted to go. It was the 17th century, the golden era mm-hmm. for the Netherlands. We were okay where we were. So on both sides, eh, the, 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 the English were getting closer and we were like, okay, take it. Because the West Indian Company had a lot of uh, businesses in uh, South America. So that's why uh, we changed it with uh, Suriname. VOC, right? V, uh, there are two. The VOC is the... Uh, East Indian Company, mm-hmm. and then the WC, if I'm not mistaken, because as yeah. I said, is the because there were two, it was the first company in the world, the VOC, that had actually stocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they also uh, they're very popular in coin collecting yep. because there were several wrecks where they drug up tons of these VOC coins, and so everybody can have this little part of Dutch history. Mm-hmm. Everybody should have a little part of Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) Which everybody has because we invented the CD, we invented the the Mm -hmm. tape recorder. And the tube sock. No, no, that's that's for all Cash's friends. (laughs) (laughs) We did pantyhoses, though. Oh. No, I don't know. What what is... um, uh, I forget whether you have more cows or pigs than people. Uh... One or the other. Yeah, one or the. Other. I think the um, the biggest amount are the are the chickens and the and the and the ducks and the. Yeah, but that's easy. Yeah, <laughs> they're smaller. No, I don't know. New don't Zealand know. has more sheep than people. Yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah. I know. I just want to mention that Marcel also brought some stamps for me and for my granddaughter Evelyn. Oh. Thank you very much. Got some gorgeous from Hong Kong with dragons. And baseball stamps for Evelyn. So Evelyn, if you're listening, Nana's got some stamps for you. Yeah, I thought it was interesting he brought American baseball stamps from Holland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he also brought me a, uh, let's call it a contra- uh, a possible horse manure on stamp. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cachet and it shows a horse uh, pulling a cart. And there's like some shading down at the bottom. Oh. And so we go, uh, yeah, that could be that. But in, the, in those days, there was everywhere was oh, yeah. dried yeah. out horse manure. So Oh, it was, it so was, sure it is. It was the global, uh, the reason I collected is it was the global warming of 1900. Oh, yeah. I Road mean, apples. They, mm-hmm. they literally thought that there was no way to solve the problem and that it would destroy them. 
And of course, six years later, they invented the electric car and all the horses left and everything was peachy keen. And now everybody's saying, oh, no, 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 cars are the problem. And it's like, well, we can go back to horses. No. No. <laughs> no, uh, no, I drive a horse. Oh, yes. And that's a Mustang. Far, that's as far as we're going. Oh, and also uh, Steve Patillo. Oh, yeah, some bananas on stamps for Steve. So when we see Steve, he'll be, mm -hmm. oh, a, a shout out for Orco Expo, which is, what, the 13th of January? 13th, 14th, and 15th. So uh, In Fullerton, California. And mm -hmm. we'll be there with our microphones recording people, and uh should be fun. And but, not, but not the new ones. Yeah, not the new ones. They're <laughs> attached to the table. They, but we will have uh food. Lunch we'll every day. Lunch uh, every day, yep. Oh, good. I didn't want to go hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so we get emails. Okay, well, I just, I don't know. My, okay, I just, my brain went. We get chimney emails. We do. Am I skipping like 14 pages of chimneys? Yeah. Yes, yeah. you are. Dear Lord. I know. That was a great part on the chimneys. Yeah, we're anxious it's, to hear about it's it. It's so great we've held it <laughs> off for weeks. For weeks, I know, <laughs> right? It, seem, we, it seems it shorter. It's down, to like, it's down to like three pages instead of 12. Uh, yes. now, we, now we can hold it down until next year. So we get emails, so summon the answer squad. Okay, now this should probably be a Scott's correction. Uh-oh. Regarding episode 103, David Plouffe, on Facebook tells us the first Zeppelin was the USS Shenandoah. Thank yes, you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Wait, do we need a Scott's correction phone? <laughs> <laughs> My first one after over 100 episodes. I know, right? <laughs> I knew I had that in there for some reason. I just... And there it is. Also, we have a, a verbal email from Ray Martin, you know, conversation about gold so this has its parallels to stamp collecting and also might be useful to some of you out there yeah he was telling me that uh everybody sees the little gold marts that are on the sides of the road you know we buy gold and stuff there first of all they generally only give about 33 percent of the melt value whereas generally speaking you should be getting at least 85 or 90 percent and these guys only give 33. But what really got me was that some of the people go in there and they had gold coins. And they said, the, the company there said, these are fake. They're only worth like five bucks each. And so they were buying $1,400 gold coins for $5. And so I want, you know, there are some unscrupulous people out there with gold there are the same with stamps, you know, get second opinions and stuff. But I thought that was just incredible that uh, you only get a third of the melt value. That's like paying, you know, 15% of face on stamps. So everybody start melting your own gold. Mm -hmm. well, well, I mean, the whole thing is, is if you go online, you can find a gold melter and mail the stuff to them. And as long as, you know, it's, an ounce or two, it pays for the postage. I mean, if you've got 
one gram of gold, you know, you're not going to mail it because they're not going to give you anything. But if you have a significant, a significant amount of, you know, one ounce, you should check that out because don't take it to these guys. Speaking of gold, did you hear about the theft in New York like last week? Oh, no. What happened? What I happened? saw the note on that. Oh, some some guy stole like a 80-something pound barrel of gold flakes. Oh, what? <laughs> Interesting. Oh, that was out of the back of that uh, armored car, out of wasn't the ba- it? Out of the back of an armored car. He waited for the guard to walk away to bring something in, and he just walked up to the back of the car. And they got and it on video, too. It. Wow. <laughs> you see the guard Part of the reason away, to bring that up, up is not only were we talking about gold, but they think he might have taken it and been here in L.A. somewhere. Oh. Oh, really? Also, I wanted to show uh, Don something that I got to in a day, and I already showed Scott and... You have to take that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cut that part out. <laughs> I want to show Don something that I got in the mail today. I already showed Tom and Scott. Speaking of the mic. And Neil deGrasse Tyson, Neil? he signed the Pluto stamps. <gasps> did you have to mail them to him or did you actually like? No, I mailed them to him. Oh, did you? Yeah, said, that was a while Big back. fan. You know, we do podcasts. Uh, we're stamp collectors here. Can you sign this for us? And uh, What did uh, he write, Don? To cash. It was demoted. Get over it. (laughs) 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 Oh, I want this. So next week we're going to do the Pluto episode, which I have. Have Has Marcel seen them yet? I've seen them. Uh, And I know the story because there's another podcast called Big Picture Science. Yep. And their very first episode is about the Pluto. And I think it was him who was on the on the show and. It was really, so I know the story, yeah. Yeah, it's not just a story of, oh, they pointed it out there and stuff. I mean, the people in the who did it, you know, they have, it, it, there's just such a great backstory. And uh, Scott said, well, what does it have to do with stamps? And I go, well, now we've got stamps. Okay, we've got one. <laughs> we've got a Pluto sheet signed by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Pluto was before oh, the stamps. I'm all there. fangirl right now. It's like, oh, I'm so <laughs> I'm so excited over this. <laughs> oh my God, who the hell cares? Our expert topic this week is on magnification. So Scott, tell us about magnification. It's when things get bigger when you use a glass. Oh, you want to know about how it relates to stamps? Okay. Okay. Well, for those of us who are getting a little older, we sometimes wear glasses, and that is a form of magnification. But when we look at our stamps, we uh, generally use a loop, which is a small handheld magnifying device, uh, generally of uh, some magnification, and we examine our stamps with it, either for aesthetic value um, because we like to look at them or maybe we're looking for faults or maybe we're looking for to make sure there aren't any faults. Uh, we're looking at a cancel. There's lots of reasons why we would do that. But in this sense, it's well, what kind of magnification do we want to use? And really, um, 
me personally, uh, if I'm just enjoying the aesthetic value, usually a magnifier of 2x or 3x is sufficient. But when I'm examining a stamp as an expert, I have two loops on my desk that I use. One is just a general 8x loop. And I use that for general examination, looking at perforations, looking at gum, things like that. And then if I need to, I also have a 10x loop, which allows me to have a little bit more magnification if I see something. And it also has a reticle I can use to measure certain features on a stamp. Why don't you just always use the 10x? Just curious. Um, well, when I started out as a collector, I, I used an 8x, and it was uh, it's something that I became comfortable using, and it was inexpensive. I think it was 4 or $5, whereas my 10x loop is an $80 loop. It's glass, and uh, the, the lens is glass, and so it, it's much higher quality. But I'm used to the 8x, and I'm used to the way things look at look under an 8x so that when I see something, my mind will interpret it uh, a certain way because I'm used to using that equipment. It's the same thing uh, like when we talked about what tongs do you want to use. It's a preference thing. I, I like it because it's what I'm used to. Um, I could use the 10x when I travel. A lot of times I'll only travel with the 10x. Uh, just because it's an extra thing I don't want to carry. You want to show off your $80 loop. Right. <laughs> now, sometimes sometimes if I'm going to a show and I want something more, I might have a 16x loop in my pocket, but uh, those loops generally have smaller apertures, which means they're you're looking at a smaller area on the stamp when you use it. They're a little bit more difficult to use. My 8x and my 10x have a larger aperture, so I get a a, a lar larger uh, field of view when I look at a stamp. So that's why I prefer those particular two models that I have. Now, in addition to that, I have two microscopes. One's a digital microscope. And what that does is that allows me to, uh, if I'm discussing an item with somebody or if I'm teaching somebody uh, a technique or something, I can use the digital microscope and throw it up on the computer screen or a TV. And that way they can we can we can talk about the image that we see and it puts us on the same page when we discuss an item. And Marcel might actually be able to attest to that because I was using the one in my office today to kind of go over measuring with him and how we measure stuff. Uh-huh. Was that a was that a good uh kind yeah. of thing for you to yeah, I've been looking at those. I told you I, I've, I was looking at, a, at an electronic one. But it's pretty difficult to find a good one, and it also has good software because I bought one once, but it only went until Windows 80 uh, 98. Oh, right. yeah. Mm. So yeah. And the, the update was not ready. So you have to be careful. Digital microscopes can run the range. You can get inexpensive ones, but the quality of the image is generally not what what we as stamp collectors desire yeah and i think uh, we went a little higher on ours i mean if you go with the higher quality you're going to run into a, it's going to be more expensive and i know it takes money away from your s buying stamps 
So, you know, a lot of people aren't going to go that way. But for us, it was a necessity to have something like that well, to we be didn't, able to, to discuss things. And we didn't go with the highest ones we can get here for, you know, because we just use them for the general use. But I think ours are, uh, I think we got five megapixel. Yeah. Yeah. For the cameras. And I mean, you could go down to, to one or two megapixel, but, you know, yeah, we you looked can, or, at some yeah. of those. And or the, you can go higher. And the higher ones, obviously, the... The price is is much. Oh yeah, thousands and thousands of dollars. You can, you can spend thousands of dollars on it. And the lag, but the lag for me—that's why I always want to use a loop or something. Is you move the stamp, and it's just you see the little jerky motion of the stamp as it recenters. Well, yeah, uh, it, but you can get used to that, and it's and for the small amount of things that we use a digital microscope for, um, it's an acceptable. Yeah thing but now maybe we can say that if you use that kind of uh uh stuff to check your stamps that we can assume that someone also has expensive stuff because you're not going to buy something like that to just check your cheap yeah stamps. That's, true. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> generally, generally, that's true so mm -hmm. not offending anyone but i think that if you buy 500 dollars stamps that you can afford to buy a 200 dollar magnifying electronic magnifier to just Make sure that your stuff is. Well, yeah, I would do that as a mm -hmm. mediocre beginner. Right. I mean, yeah. if you have one or two five hundred dollars stamps, that's it's probably not necessary. But if you're collecting lots of items in that range, then and you you want to inspect the stamps to make sure you're getting what you're paying for. If you're absolutely. Bill Gross mm -hmm. spending a million dollars on stamps, you want to make sure that there's no hidden thins or tears or things. Nah, he pays somebody else to do that. Oh. Okay. Well. <laughs> Now, the other microscope that I have is actually an analog. It's uh, just a regular scientific microscope. It's a binocular microscope, which means there are two, uh, two eye stalks. So it gives you a, a sense of depth perception, whereas a monocular is just a single uh, eyepiece. And the one I have has, has large aperture openings, again, for the eye because I, I – generally like to have a larger field of view. Now, my microscope has a variable focus as well as a variable uh, magnification, and I can run it anywhere from 8x all the way up to 40x. Typically, when I'm examining a stamp on my desk, instead of using my very small 16x handheld loop, I will grab the microscope and I'll run it up to about 15 or 16x and use that. And I only use that if I have already found something at a lower magnification and I just want to be very clear what I'm seeing. Because sometimes you'll see something you know, well, that's not right, but I can't tell exactly what it is. So then I'll move to the higher magnification to see if that I can positively define what I'm seeing. And that's what I use the higher magnification for. Now... Uh, there is one thing when if you're looking at color omitted or tagging omitted stamps, then those need to be generally 30x magnification is the accepted standard. If there's if you can't find any traces of either tagging or color at that level, then that's what passes for uh, color omitted. Uh, yeah, why don't you discuss that? Because that's an interesting one. There was the uh Ten cent man on the moon landing, 
and we saw a whole sheet of it. Right. And of the sheet of 50 stamps. I think it was 40 stamps. 40 stamps. Uh, on, on the whole sheet of 40 32. stamps. Whatever it is. Yeah. They're very large stamps. So it's a yeah. weird shaped sheet. Yeah. But out of all of the stamps, we found red on all but two of them. So on a sheet, two stamps got the red omitted. Well, that's that's and actually the other ones just had little bits. That's actually more typical of say the inkwell running dry. Yeah, and so not every every stamp is going to get the same amount of ink as the ink runs out, and so that just happened to be a sheet that was toward the end of the ink running out, and a couple of stamps got missed, but most of the stamps got some, but not very much, and most of that a lot of times would be maybe half a dozen or so small dots, which are very, very difficult to see with the naked eye, let alone with maybe a 10x loop. You really have to punch up the magnification to be able to clearly see those small dots in the printing. Yeah. Um, probably later sheets in the process, I would say, likely had more of the stamps on a sheet without the ink but it's the same thing with tagging when tagging runs out you'll find sheets where there's just it's you know some stamps are tagged and some stamps are not tagged maybe and and it may be random or maybe something clogged part of the uh, of the bottom of the inkwell and so half of it or half of a sheet or a column of the sheet uh, didn't have tagging because the ink didn't make it over there or it's possible that the tagging mat shifted and it didn't print on that side of the sheet. There's many different reasons why you can get these things, but the magnification is what's key. 30x is what's standard if you're going to collect that sort of material. And how did we describe it before? You can't be a little bit pregnant. That's right. You can't be a little bit pregnant. If there's any ink there that we can discern at 30x... It's not omitted. It's not omitted. It's mostly it's, missing. Yeah. It's faintly faintly printed i mean there's lots of ways to describe it but it's not completely omitted makes sense but that's sometimes why those items bring large amounts of money and why sometimes they don't if there's a lot of them out there they don't if there's just a few if there's just a few then they do uh, so, so, why don't you, so why don't you talk about gum cuz gum is probably the number number one reason why you would use a loop um actually i prefer the microscope on a eight or ten power setting generally i have a sense when i look at a stamp um just because of the experience factor uh, of whether a stamp is original gum or whether it's been hinged or regummed excuse me uh but i always like to put it under the microscope at about 15x to confirm it and looking at the perforations, the way the, the gum is sits around the perf hole and in the perf tips, and, and even the, the texture of the surface of the gum, uh, it's, it's much it's, – it's I'm able to confirm it with a microscope at 15x when I can be relatively sure with uh, lesser magnification or even with no magnification. I'm generally fairly sure – uh, but I always like to confirm it. And there are times when I've seen 
stamps and they they look and they feel like they're regummed and I get it under the microscope and uh, you know this is just ugly gum mm. and the and the term I typically use is it's fried it's just done uh, but it's OG it's genuine original gum but it just looks like crap and it's not necessarily you can't really even say disturbed mm. because it's not disturbed it's just it's not aged well, let's put it that way. Well, well going back to, uh, I think it was episode 22 since we're hitting it. Why don't you uh, go a little bit over regum? Why, why are you looking at the purfles like that? I know a lot of people know this stuff and everything, but just for the new listeners, why don't you tell them how you detect regum stamps using the magnifying glass or magnifying Well. Detecting regum stamps starts with knowing how the stamps were made in the first place, and the the stamps that are that you typically see regummed are generally from the nineteenth and early twentieth century, <clears throat> and the flat plate printed stamps generally came off one sheet at a time off of the printing press, and after the ink dried, then the the back of the sheet was gummed. After the gum dried, then the perforations were applied. And so you have a, a stamp that was gummed first and then perforated. So when you're looking at the perforations, you have to say, okay, this is the perforations cut into. The gum does not hang over the sides of the, of the perforation holes, and it doesn't gum up the perf tips. These stamps were, were gummed before the perf tips and the perf holes were even made. So when you look at a stamp that's a single broken out of a sheet, you should see all the characteristics. The ends of the perf tips should be nice and soft. They should have broken paper fibers, not gum-soaked paper fibers. The, the perforation holes should be cut in a certain way, and you can learn that by looking at stamps that are not regummed under magnification and then comparing them to one that you think might be. And that's that's uh, that's part of the learning process is you have to look at what's known to be genuine versus what you have as a as a suspect. And when you when you finally see the difference usually the light bulb will go on and you'll be able to say, oh, wow, there really is a difference. I can see it. And if it's so subtle that you're not sure, then it's not. And it's, you know, coming back to that, it's the same thing as color varieties. If the color is so subtle that you're not sure, then it's likely it's not that color variety. We done? Can everybody see all right now? As I look around the table and everybody but Marcel's wearing glasses. Mm -hmm. No, I was measuring stamps all day. I can't see a damn thing. <laughs> I've been looking at numbers. Then you're doing it wrong. We would like to thank the following for information used in this podcast. Wikipedia, Facebook, The Things You Should Know podcast, The Scott's Catalog, and eBay. Again, thank you to our good friend Bob Dumain at Sam Houston Philatelics. 
go to www.shpauctions.com and sign up for their free email newsletter. Also remember to contribute to the Stamp Show Here Day Kiva team at kiva.com. As a reminder, Kiva is not a donation service. It is crowdsourcing to make loans to people in the third world. You pick who the money goes to and for which cause. Also remember that when the loan is repaid in a few months, you can get your money back. So go to kiva.com. Also, thank you, Marcel, for sitting with us. It's been fun. Very welcome. It's a long flight to come sit in this chair. For one hour. (laughs) I'm leaving tomorrow again, so I came all the way from Holland for one hour. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've learned a lot in a few days, and I hope to learn a few more things, and then I'll leave next week. So, gelukkig nieuw jaar iedereen. Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you. Thank you. All I know is Shreela Shreelpot. Chill, chill, chill. Chill, 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 chill. Dewey. Duke. Thank you for joining us for episode 106. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. You can reach us with your questions or comments at our website at stampshowheretoday.com. Watch us on YouTube, post a comment, or follow us on Facebook, or leave a message on our Google Voice number, 1949-873-4298. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. And as always, keep collecting. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. All the good when we're all alone. Go, 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 go